welcome back to the Sports Gossip Girls podcast. I'm Madison. Hannah and Isabella could not make it again, but I'm super stoked to have New York Giants NFL Nation reporter Jordan Ronan joining me today. Mr. Ronan, thank you so much for coming on. No, mister. No, mister. That's the, that's the deal here, all right? Jordan. Okay. Jordan. That may, may, when you say mister, then you, you feel really old, okay? <laughs> that's like, that's like the, the next level old. I don't, I don't want to get there just yet. That's my father always says, like, when people, when my friends call him Mister, they're like, no. Yeah, I never really understood it, but now I kind of understood it. When you, when we emailed back and forth and you wrote Mister, I was like, oh my God, I'm like at that age now, like where, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of scary for sure. <laughs> um, so my first question for you is, what sports did you grow up playing or watching? And when did you realize you wanted to pursue a career in sports? Uh, I pretty much played every sport growing up, I think. Uh, you know, that it was very, it was much less uh, specialized in general. So uh, I played baseball, I played basketball, I played soccer in high school. I played football when I was young, a little bit when I was younger. Uh, I was a skinny kid, though. Mm -hmm. I think I graduated high school. I was 5'11", 145. Wow. So, yeah, I was not, I was not, I was definitely a toothpick. <laughs> so, uh, and and then eventually... I, I played baseball, basketball, soccer in high school. And oh. then I guess soccer was, I was, that was my best sport. So I ended up playing that and uh, I guess ending in high school. But uh, yeah. And then I don't know. I always wanted to be in sports. Uh, when I was growing up, the big the WFAN was a big thing. Like that was the only sports radio station. Uh, so Mike and the Mad Dog was like the show. And I pretty much grew up on Mike and the Mad Dog. The Knicks right here, when they, they used to be a good team back in the day. Uh, they were trying to track down Michael Jordan. And then I, I just looked at that and I said, wow, they talk about sports for five hours. I think it was five hours at the time. Five hours a day. I want to do that. I want to do something. And so yeah. I didn't really know how I wanted to get there. So I don't know. I dipped into, end up going in a bunch of different directions until I finally end up here where I'm at and covering the NFL and really originally when I first when I was probably around college age my favorite sports watching consuming were probably baseball and college basketball so it's like oh I want to be a reporter and cover those sports then you learn you know football's the biggest it's the lifestyle wise it's it's the best to cover because it's the most nine to five maybe I guess that you can figure so but uh, you know eventually it's good to do a little bit of everything. And I think I did. I probably covered every sport. I probably co I covered college basketball. I covered the NBA, covered a little hockey, oh, uh, awesome. football, you, know, you name it. I, I pretty much covered it. You got to, you start and you cover some high school stuff. So yeah. it's all experience and you want to do as much, as many platforms as possible and yeah. as many sports as possible. And then you could kind of narrow it down as you, as you move along. Yeah. So what was your first job in sports and how does that compare to where you're at now? Well, I guess my first job in sports was probably, I guess if it's an internship, was when I was in college. Uh, I worked for, I interned at the NBC station in Washington, D.C. I went to Maryland. Oh. So it was like a 20-minute drive to D.C. from, you know, College Park. So there was a show, and like Bruce Beck has a show on Sunday night. Uh, what's it called? Sports Final. Is it I sports love Bruce. Final? Yeah. Yes. So Bruce has his Sunday night show. It used to be. It was a guy down in Maryland, in D.C. His name was George Michaels. 
And so he had a, it was called the George Michael sports machine. It was a national version of that, a Sunday night show at like 1130 at night, whatever on the NBC station. And it broadcast all these NBC stations. And I was an intern there, basically like a production assistant for that show. And that kind of was my first jump into it and like, okay, this is good experience. And actually a funny story was while I was there, they tell me, okay, they do, they're doing this round table with these three guys. Uh, they do it up. They did it pretty often. It was George Michaels. And then the other two guys were Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser. So it was like predated almost what there was for, you know, part of the interruption. They used to do, uh, you know, some spots or I guess it might even be a regular show type show with the NBC station down there. And I was, I like called them up and like arranged for them to come in or whatever, whatever it was. I was just, you know, the lower level guy logging tape. Like I would have to watch games and log when big plays, what, what, when, what time stuff happened on the reel so that they knew where to go to get the highlights. So like, let's say, uh, there was an amazing dunk or steal and dunk, and it was at 1932 of the game, right? I would have to write and log it down, and then they would have the log, and it would be highlighted, and they would go back and find that highlight. So you definitely and so that's that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would assume there's a much better method these days than having some kids sit there and just log film. And that actually, I did the same thing for CBS football uh, oh. at one point af- after college as like a part-time yeah. job. <laughs> it sounds complicated. Yeah, not that complicated. You're sitting there watching a game and logging when stuff happens. (laughs) So there's worse things, I guess. Yeah. Um, Given, obviously, the circumstances we're in right now with the pandemic, what were some of the challenges you faced this season? The biggest thing is not having access to the locker room, in my opinion, or or access face-to-face with people. Uh, I'm a big proponent of... You know, I'm not the best planner in the world. So most of the time, pre-2020, you go to work. I might not even have an idea. And if you hang around and you talk to enough people, something falls and it seems to fall in your lap. Like as long as you're that, to me, that's the number one uh, key to being successful is being there. Yeah. So by being around, being around the locker room, I could just be having a general conversation with someone and they could say something to me and then boom, it like sparks an idea or, you know, they tell you something and it just to not have that this year in general is, was a difficult thing for me because that's a big part of how I got content. Uh, You know, some people are able to pre-plan and they'll have their story, their template basically pre-written and ask questions where they'll push the person in that direction so that they get the exact quote that they want. So they can basically just plug it into their story. That's not me, <laughs> you know? And I would never want to be that person anyway. I think that's yeah. a terrible way to operate. But so to me, not having that interaction to create those relationships, look, I don't even know what had, like, I never met James Bradbury face-to-face, Blake Martinez face-to-face. Like these guys are people that I would, other, in, in another world, in another year, I would know them well. Like we would be, we would be able to, face-to-face, know each other, where have a conversation. They maybe could trust me because when you're there and able to have conversations with them, that's how you build trust. And this is, and I tell people this all the time, this is a total relationship business, everything about it. Be able to get any information, whether it's from players, coaches, agents, uh, general managers, whoever, it's all about having those relationships. Yeah, it's so hard now. I mean, at least it seems hard. 
Um, it, it definitely is. It's a different world. So you have to find ways to work around it. You have to yeah. really, really rest on the relationships that you that pre that you had that pre existed all this uh, you know craziness. Yeah, for sure. So going back to the pre pandemic days, what would you say is your favorite part about your job, and what's the most challenging part? My favorite part of the job is when I look at it in a big, big picture, you know, like I'm not saving lives. I'm not uh, doing anything that's important uh, in the big picture. I'm watching and covering football for a living. So, yeah, when you when you look at the big picture, I mean, there's worse things to do now. Uh, I guess I could be doing something more wholesome like and helping people. But uh, the flip side of it is. This is entertainment. This is all entertainment. It's an entertainment business. So we're helping people be entertained. And I, like, like I told you before, I was always into sports. I was in, when I'm in school, I said, okay, wait a minute. I got to find something that's in sports. How do I do this? And that's the best part of it. The fact that I'm, this is what I'm, I'm working. This, I call it, call this a job. You know, some people watch sports for fun. I get to do it for a living. Yeah. So that, that to me is the best part of the hardest part. The hardest part is getting the information nothing's easy you know you have to sort of decipher people don't tell you naturally tell you the truth in this business people go up there you know bill belichick and not picking on bill belichick this is every coach they go up there on the podium and they say uh they're playing the who was the word the jaguars this year they were the worst team in the nfl Mm -hmm. they're playing the jaguars they go up to the podium on Wednesday of each week and they tell you how good the Jaguars are. Okay. The Jaguars went one in 15. They were bad. They stink. Everybody knows it. And then they sit here and, and they lie to your face and they tell you how great they were. This is a really good team. Yeah. Okay. We know they're not a good team. Nobody believes that, but yet you have to sit there and basically stomach it. And, and your job basically is to sit there and decipher what the truth is what they're willing to tell you and what isn't. And then the gaps in between, you have to go dig and find out what the truth is. So that's the most difficult part because not everyone is genuine to you. I think one of my best qualities, and this doesn't just apply to, it helps me in my my job, but I'm very good, I I think, and maybe my head's too big, but I think I'm good at right away, like first impression, I can tell when somebody is full of shit and when somebody is yeah. being genuine and being genuine with me. And I know that right away. And I know that, that I, if I think you're full of crap, usually that sticks in my head forever when I know that person and I'm, I'm hesitant to trust them. <laughs> and then when I find myself coming around because they're, they're likable and they're, they're nice to you, that's when I get burned. I, that's when I find myself getting burned because I always trust that initial impression on those kind of things. <laughs> I feel you. What is your favorite memory working for the Giants so far? I mean, okay, I'm going to phrase this differently. What is your favorite memory reporting for the Giants so far? Yeah, I would say the Odell catch, Mm. Giants specific, was outrageous. Uh, That really pops to my head first. I mean, you usually just sit there in a press box and you're supposed to – nobody – you're not allowed to cheer. You're usually quiet. And I think when that happened – it was so spectacular, so outrageous that I was like, oh, my God. And you're like, you're one of those, you jump up, you're like, holy king, you can't really believe what you're saying. And it's, I wasn't cheering. I was just so in shock with what I saw at the moment 
Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously that was, that's an iconic moment. That was just such a big thing yeah. uh, for him. And just in general, I mean, that's one of the like top catches in NFL history, probably. Yeah. You know, if you make a list of five, 10 greatest catches, that's going to be on there. That's how, how ridiculous it was. And then of course it started the, the, just the stardom of Odell really reached like, you know, it's, it just spiraled into crazy levels. Yeah. Uh, so to me, that was awesome. The best moment I was at, as a fan, I was at the Yankees game seven against the Red Sox when Aaron Boone, who's now the manager, oh hit the walk-off home run. That was great as a fan. But as a reporter, the best part of covering the NFL was being at that Super Bowl where the Seahawks decided not to run the ball and they threw an interception in the end zone. Uh, Malcolm Butler, the Marshawn Lynch Seahawks teams, which was, I guess, I don't know, probably like six years or so now, yeah, six years, like something, something like that. So covering that game was that, that ending was really, really something. Now on the giants. And I say all this, you're like, Oh, how does he not say the Super Bowls? I wasn't there for either of the Super Bowls. I came to cover the giants in 2013. Oh, right. After. So they won in 20, uh, 2007. They win again in 2011, 2012. They're okay. 2013. They're bad. Yeah. Uh, they start off 0-6, I believe it was. That was when I came there, already 0-6. They were already on a decline. So I came there already on a decline. And really the only good year they've had since was 2016, yeah. where they make the playoffs, but they lose in the playoffs to the Packers. So nothing really outrageous in that season. That was like, super, you know, it was a good season, but it wasn't anything like oh, all-time memorable. So that's why my favorite thing as a Giant goes back to a, a single play rather than something bigger than that. Yeah, and there was the whole boat thing, and everyone thought they changed <laughs> <it>. <laughs> The boat thing, the McAdoo, Eli Benching thing. Yeah. Ugh. The, those are kind of like the seminal seminal moments of me covering the Giants, but those are like, okay, crazy, you know, shit hits the fan type moments. Yeah. Hopefully there are better games and times ahead for them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So who do you um, enjoy interviewing more, players or coaches? You know, it's weird because when I first started, right, I, I was covering sports in Philadelphia. I used to be more a contemporary of the players, right? I was young. So I'm 24, 25. I can relate to the players. There was players older than me. Uh, so I probably used to be the players. The older you get, now you see you can relate more with the coaches, like, Joe Judge is younger than me, for God's sakes. <laughs> ben McAdoo was my contemporary. He was my age. Uh, he's right around the same age as me. So I think he used to be the players. And then over the years, it's probably transformed to the coaches because you like to have uh, even just forget footballs, you know, scale. You want to have you want to be able to ha have relationships and conversations on a grander scale than that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you're just able to you know, shoot the shit with people. Uh, and I, I'm obviously more relatable now to the coaches, I think, than I am the players. But, I mean, it really depends what you're looking for. It really depends what you're trying to do. I mean, I love talking to the older players, too, uh, especially the guys that I know from, like, the beginning, like, you know, Chris Snee and Justin Tuck, uh, Victor Cruz, uh, those those kind of guys because you, you kind of can go back down memory lane with them and that that's always fun too. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm saying for sure, and I'm not a reporter, but I'm, I <laughs> You can imagine, you can imagine, yeah. right, right. right. Yep. <laughs> Talking to the players now, I mean, they're almost, it's a totally different generation of, of yeah. people, you know, of, of players in general. So uh, maybe I'm just getting old and jaded, but it's harder for me to relate to some of these guys. They do things that I just don't even understand. <laughs> yeah, also like social media, I feel like has changed players a lot too. Yeah, they don't need you quite as much. So it may, it does change the dynamic between the two, right? Uh, they're like, well, why do I need you until they need you? Yeah. You know, that that's that's sort of how it works these days. They 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 don't understand the concept of uh, most guys really don't understand the concept of the purpose that the media serves, that it's a promotional aspect of the game for the league, for the team, it helps grow their brand. Uh, players just look at it. Hey, what do I need you for? I have Twitter. I have Instagram. I have whatever social platform that they want to lean on. I don't need you. Yeah, they don't get it. Um, until so, like until until they do need you. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to current football talk, I guess. What were your thoughts on Joe Judge's first season coaching the Giants? Uh, it was it was successful. Uh, I mean. To a degree, I should say. It was successful in the fact that uh, Joe Judge, his primary goal was this. His primary goal was to uh, create a foundation, right, and build a culture. And winning games would have to be secondary because they didn't have the pieces to really do it. So do I think he built a foundation and developed a culture? I do. I do think he was he was successful in that bit. Now, do they need to get a ton better? Do they need better players? Do they need more talent? Absolutely. So I think you had to like what you've seen so far uh, in regards to Joe Judge, the way he carries himself, the way he's able to relate to the players, get his point across to not only the players, but also his own coaches. I think that that part of it is all positive. So whether they went four and twelve, six and ten. Eight and eight. I'm not sure that in the big picture was was the mo- was the most important thing from this year. Now we could sit here and say, well, now it's been three years. They've been terrible for three years. They they don't have a winning record. I understand, but it's not fair to hold that part of it against Joe Judge. Yeah. The mistakes of the past aren't on him. He was he's not responsible for them. You know, winning four and five games the previous two seasons. Yes. You know, his first season is six and ten. That's what on his record. Now the goal is to build next year eight and eight. That would be pretty good. Get you get more talent. The year after that, continue adding talent, build something, right? Because they're in a rebuild, regardless of what anyone wants to tell you publicly. Uh, trust me, this team knows it. They're in the midst of a rebuild. Yeah. You know, they're moving forward. And the goal should be two years down the line, if Joe Judge's team is six and ten again, yeah, then he can do his job. But in the meantime, it was at least, a, I think, a step in the right direction. Yeah, and building that chemistry was amazing to see. Um, yeah, and the only problem is that chemistry uh, sometimes only lasts. Mm-hmm. You know, how many players, how many of those guys are going to be back? You yeah. know, how many guys change? So you're losing 20, 25, 30 guys, whatever the number is. Yeah. Uh, every year it turns over so much, you kind of almost have to rebuild it. That's why you want to have the foundation and the culture set and the key players there so that they can then bring it and take yeah, it and, it and hold it. Yeah. Pass it down and make sure that regardless of who they plug in there, 
that that's set, that that's not going to change. And I think that that's what I'm talking about, what he was trying to establish this year. Yeah, they know Joe Judge doesn't play games. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you're allowed to really answer this one, given like your job, but um, do you think that Daniel Jones is the answer? Do you think he's the franchise quarterback? Oh, yeah, I can answer that. I'm allowed to opine <laughs> on Giants topics for sure. Uh, I, I really can't give you a definitive answer at this point, though. That That's the thing on Daniel Jones. Like, here's what I'll say about Daniel Jones. I see – you see – and then Giants feel this way, too. You see things that you're like, he could be pretty good. He could be a good quarterback. You might – he might be – you know, he's, he's going to be a good quality starting quarterback in this league. And then you see things where you're like, man, that's going to keep him from really taking it to the next level. He just doesn't – when, when everything breaks down, there seems to be a panic. It, it doesn't – his pocket presence is just lacking at times. So, I think he could be a good quarterback. I think – do I think he, he's going to be a, a – do I think he'd be a franchise quarterback? It depends on your definition. I think he could be a, a top 10 or 15 quarterback. Do I see him being a top 10 quarterback? There's where I still have my doubts. And if I had to bet against it, I probably would. But let's see how this year goes. I, I think if he was, though, I wouldn't be stunned. Like, I think he has an opportunity to be a good quarterback in this league. Is he ever going to be a top five quarterback in the league? I think I could pretty definitively say probably not. Yeah. It depends on, like, I don't know. Just He's going to need the right pieces around him. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to need to make that next step and really, and really this year in particular. Like, if you don't do it by year three, the likelihood is it's probably not going to happen. But he's already a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. I, I feel confident about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's uh, you know, there's about ten teams that usually don't have a real starting quarterback. He's not. They're not in. The, they won't be in that ten team group. They're at least in the. Okay, we have a quality, a, a good enough starting quarterback. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, it's hard to say because we don't know what the other teams will do. But if you were Dave Gettleman, who would you take in the first round of the draft? Yeah, give me uh, – there's three top receivers. So that's, to me, okay, if any of those guys are there, those guys are uh, – it would be an easy one, right? Devonta Smith, yeah. uh, Jalen Waddell, and Jamar Chase. So if any of those three guys are there when they pick at 11 or if they have to move up a couple spots, I don't know if they have the capital to do that. That's not ideal for them. Yeah. But that would be a great way to go. I'm a little hesitant when you talk about the tight end that some people are predicting, Kyle Pitts, the guy from Florida – uh, maybe a cornerback. This isn't a great draft for edge rushers, which is which would what the Giants desperately need. So, I mean, I would prefer if if in a, an ideal world you tell me one of those wide receivers there, that would be my choice. Mm, yeah. If not, I don't really know. That's uh, that would be tough because the draft doesn't necessarily align with their biggest needs this year. Yeah. Aside from wide receiver, which has some really good players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want them to take Smith, but. They probably won't be able to. Um, He's a little guy, though. You think about it, they'd be pretty, they'd be small. Uh, they, they could use a bigger receiver. I know none of those guys, I guess, are really big, but like it would be pretty small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. I didn't even think about that. So, what advice would you give to a young person, such as myself, who wants to become a sports reporter? Keep doing what you're doing. I mean, by doing this kind of stuff, this is great experience. I mean, you're going to learn by messing up. You're going to learn by failing. You're going to learn by just doing stuff uh, and do as much stuff as possible. Don't limit yourself. 
Yeah. Uh, it doesn't always have to be just sports. Uh, you should try doing news. You should experience it. Uh, you know, you should do different platforms, radio, you know, TV, podcasting, uh, whatever. I, I don't know what I missed there. Uh, website, writing. Yeah, right. It's all it's all good. It's all good experience to have. It's all good to have in the toolbox because the reality is, and I, it's only going to keep going in this direction. There's no like, all right, you're a writer, okay? You're uh, you're on radio. No, you have to be able to do multiple things. My job basically entails radio, TV, writing. Uh, you have so, and I, I the podcasting. So if you don't, if you're not able, the more if you're not able to do most of this stuff or all of it, even editing. Uh, back end stuff of of uh, Photoshop and uh, graphic arts and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff is valuable. I mean, it's all valuable. So anything on social, your your ability to work and and design stuff on social and create content, it's all valuable. So the more you can do, the better. Just keep getting experience, uh, as many jobs, as many opportunities as possible. Take advantage of that. And so that would be my opinion, because. That's kind of what I did. I did a lot of different things and I kind of grinded my way up job to job to job to job. You meet people here doing this, you meet people here doing that. And like I said, it's a relationship business that yeah. doesn't just apply for gaining information that applies for being able to get jobs. Like that's yeah. how you get jobs. If you just think you could apply for these jobs that are posted online, I think you're gravely mistaken because then it's you versus 10,000 other people. The hiring person already has somebody in mind because somebody recommended them to him or he knows somebody from a previous stuff or through a friend and you basically have zero chance of getting that job. Yeah. That's why I love building connections. Plus I'm young and I'm, I already have like so many connections. So I'm happy about that. Well, then you're heading in the right direction because that's what the, I mean, that's, that, that doesn't just apply for this business too. That pretty much applies for every business. Yeah. True. So what are your Super Bowl predictions? predictions? I'm not going to go against, Patrick Mahomes right now. Patrick Mahomes to me is the best player in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is Tom Brady, maybe even better right now than Tom Brady in his prime. That's how that's how good he is and how amazing he's been uh, the last three years. If you think about it, he has three years as a starter. He won a Super Bowl. He won an MVP. He could win his second Super Bowl in three years as a starter. And the other year, he sh- they actually should have made the Super Bowl and beat Brady and the Patriots. But I believe it was was it Frank Clark? Well, no, D Ford. D Ford jumped off sides two years ago in the AFC Championship yeah. on a play where I think Tom Brady threw an interception or was four down. It ended the game. The Chiefs were celebrating, except that he ran. He was off sides on the play. The Patriots ended up winning that game. So that's how close he was to making three Super Bowls in three years with an MVP. Uh, you know, possibly winning two Super Bowls. I mean. He's, he's playing out of his mind right now. And Tom Brady's great, but this isn't Tom Brady in his prime. Yeah. Like Tom Brady in his prime is better than the Tom Brady we're seeing now. He's still pretty darn good. Greatest quarterback of all time, greatest player of all time. Ten Super Bowls is insane. Uh, but this year, still give me Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I can see that happening. I don't even know. I just hate, like, betting against Tom Brady, but then I don't want to bet against Patrick Mahomes. It's like, I don't well, know. Well, that's why it's a Super Bowl, because they're two yeah. good teams. Two good teams. That's why they're both there. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Well, I guess those are all the questions I have for today. Thank you so much for coming on. I had a lot of fun talking to you. You're welcome. Thank you, too, for having me. And I would say 
I give you a lot of credit because you're doing the right things and you're heading in the right direction. The fact that you're taking the steps to making this happen and doing this, that shows your initiative and your desire to be successful. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Stay safe and healthy. All right. Thanks for having me.